Welcome to this edition of the Dan Rayburn Podcast, a show that curates the streaming media industry news of the week that matters most, unvarnished, unscripted, and providing you with the data and analysis you need without any of the hype. The pulse of the streaming media industry. Here's your host, Dan Rayburn, with co-host Mark Donegan. Welcome to the Dan Rayburn Podcast. I'm Dan Rayburn, along with my co-host, Mark Donegan. Mark, you getting ready to uh, carve your turkey or? Yeah. Still yeah I, think out the store. I think we're doing, oh, oh no, no, no. We buy, <laughs> we, we buy our Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> so Smart. Yeah. yeah well, Thanksgiving yeah. week. So here I am thinking, hey, we, we've got some some free time to, to cover whatever we feel like, because there's probably no news this week. Right. And, and then, <laughs> and then what happens Sunday night is there's a CEO change, <laughs> and late at night too. So Disney puts out the news late Sunday night, November twentieth, that Bob Iger is coming back as CEO of Disney to replace Bob Chapek. Yeah. So there's a couple of things to break down here, um, Mark. I think I've read over fifty stories uh, about the news. Some really just sort of reporting factual. Some having opinions. Sure. So I'm talking about the background of of the relationship between the two and how they don't get along. And frankly, I don't care about any of that. Yeah. A lot of that is just, you know, speculation. But I think there's yeah. some things to to note here because I have been seeing a lot of articles talking to the negative side of JPEG as far as running the organization. And, you know, it's great that they're bringing Iger back because look what's happened under JPEG's watch. But a, a couple of key things here that, that I think listeners should know about. So first, uh, He's been with the company for nearly 30 years. Yeah. Also, Iger handpicked JPEG to replace him. So everybody wants to play the Monday morning quarterback here and, and blame <laughs> JPEG for some of Disney's recent uh, sure. you know, poor financials. But keep in mind that he took over just before the start of a pandemic. Yeah, that's right. Nobody could have predicted parks would close, which is their largest source of revenue. Movie theaters were closed. Movies were delayed as far as coming out. So you can't plan or prepare for that. Also, this isn't something you hear people talk about too often, but Iger is the one that did the Fox deal before he left. And it severely impacted Disney's balance sheet, even to the point where Disney stopped paying a dividend. Amazing. When companies stop paying a dividend, what they're basically saying to Wall Street is they have an operational challenge that they need to get through first before they start paying a dividend. That all happened under Iger. That wasn't JPEG. Not under, yeah, so, not under Bob. Yeah, I'm not going to get into who's to blame over what. Sure. Obviously, a lot of what took place in the market and the dynamics created some of the issues Disney's in now with their direct-to-consumer business losing billions of dollars over just the last few quarters alone. Wall Street liked the news. It was up at one point over $5 today. We'll have to see what it, what it closed at. But keep in mind that Iger still has his work cut out for him because when you're undoing a corporate restructure of a company, that's that's time consuming and that's messy. That's right. Yeah, this one's going to be, you know, it's interesting to watch. I I, I really feel like it does fall into that. Um, people just don't like change. <laughs> so, right. be, you know, and, uh, and so the reaction, I, I mean, look, you know, Bob Iger... Um, you know, is very is very highly thought of, and and did a lot of great things for Disney, right? So, 
Uh, and like you say, you know, Bob Chapik was, was, has been there for 30 years and it's just, it's, it's, I don't see it also as a situation where, you know, they're kicking out the guy that failed. Um, but what, what's behind that, uh, who knows, you know, and it's all conjecture. I've read a lot of the same articles and, you know, it's just, it's like, okay, you know, maybe that journalist is right. Maybe they're wrong. Who knows? But we don't know. So yeah, there's there's a lot of backstory here, but I, I think what we focus on is just what does this potentially mean going forward. So first, the stock at um, one point was up eight percent. It closed up about a little over six percent at the end of the day on on Monday, November twenty first. Yeah, um, you know, I think one thing that was interesting was just from what Iger has said and and some of the things that have seen. We do know that he believed Disney Plus should underprice competitive streaming services to really maximize its price value perception amongst consumers in the market. That was something he talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chapek's approach with the price increases is to emphasize profitability over subscriber yeah. additions. Yeah. Now, if I was an investor in the company, I like that. Being an analyst in the company, I like it <laughs> because we have to get the profitability as you and I talk about all the time. And That's poop. right. So I don't think that Iger coming in is now, and I've been asked that today a couple of times, well, do you think all of a sudden he's going to reduce pricing? Because I just did raise pricing, of course, by $3 because of the ad tier, mm-hmm. ad supported tier coming out. I think that's still December 8th. So no, I don't think all of a sudden he's going to roll back pricing by $3. I, that would create so much confusion in the market. Yeah. But will be interesting to see if with Iger back, does he want to try and a change a bit of, of the pricing and packaging of services going forward. Don't know. Now, what he had said in the past was he liked the approach with, with consumers of taking the Disney Plus product and raising it by $1 every year hmm. going forward. That was what he was looking to do. And on his watch, he did raise it, I believe, at least once. I think it was just once, though. So... That, I think, is the interesting part. Now, how they're going to do restructuring as far as, uh, you know, they created that whole DMED group under under Chapek, you know, yeah. how's Iger deal with that and some of the things going on, obviously, with ESPN on the broadcast side. I think that is where it's more interesting to watch the legacy TV business that Disney has. That's right. Because Iger was was very clear in terms of where he thought Linear was going. So to me, that's the most interesting part. The other thing is, if if you read the press release that uh, the Walt Disney Corporation put out, you know they they said that Iger's back for two years. However, during that two years, he has to come up with a successful plan to transition to another CEO. <laughs> that was very interesting. interesting how they worded that. But yeah. what if he doesn't want to leave after two years? Yeah, really. What if they don't want him to leave? Yeah. So he postponed retirement three times Yeah. already previously. So just a really interesting dynamic here. To your point, Mark, change. Uh, people hate change. Civilians hate change. Yeah. That's the biggest thing they struggle with. So it does create, I think, a lot of uncertainty with employees Yeah. about what changes will happen, especially around layoffs because... Chapek had mentioned, okay, we're going to have to do some layoffs. We're going to have to reduce the costs on the balance sheet. Is Iger still going to go through with those? Mm-hmm. We don't know. We haven't heard as of yet. But that's the biggest thing employees are going to really be asking internally. So hopefully Iger comes out real quickly, like literally this week, internally to employees with a letter 
that says going forward, even in the short term, here's what the headcount is going to be. Yeah. Setting proper expectations, that is crucial. I expect he will do something like that because from what I've seen in the market, people who have worked under him have told me he's a, he's a leader. He's not just a businessman. Yeah, that's right. So hopefully uh, th- that is the case. Uh, the other thing is, <laughs> I think it's interesting how, how much Wall Street you know, looks at JPEG and says, look, Disney is stunk this year. Its stock is down 40% year to date. This is before the, the announcement of the CEO change. Yeah. A lot of companies would take down 40%. 40%. Exactly. Hello, Facebook. Put it in relation, right? That's, there's companies down 90%, 98%. 40% is not that bad considering the largest chunk of your revenue come, came from markets that were literally closed down. They were closed, yeah. yeah. So to give you an idea, I put together some numbers. Uh, this is before the announcement of the CEO change. 79% of Wall Street analysts had a buy rating on Disney. Mm. At the current price, 21% of analysts had a hold rating. Uh, combined, they have an average target price of $119.20, again, before before the announcement. And then the target price they had average in 2021 was $211. Interesting. So, you know, you have a target price that's dropped, you know, 50%. Uh-huh. No, a little less than that, $100 over the year. So, yes, there's no doubt that we've seen Disney lose more money. You know, subscriber growth has slowed at Disney Plus, but none of us in the industry are surprised by that. We we don't expect that they're going to add the amount of new subs that they've been adding for for so many years as they've grown the business. As you grow it, it's harder to scale and compete for new subs over time. That's right. Not surprising. So to me, Mark, the key takeaway here in this is keep an eye on what happens with the linear business if that changes in any way as far as strategy. And then also Iger's coming in at a time when the the AVOD service is coming out, pricing is going up. How does that positively or negatively impact Q1 revenue profitability? Because even if they lose some subscribers for churn because of higher pricing, if you're charging $3 more per sub, you can make that up. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be super interesting. To see, you know, how um, how they're how they're testing content distribution and and just a, a lot of things uh, potentially could shift. They could. So, so I think strategy. We'll hear more about it. I wouldn't be right. surprised if if they do an investor relations. I don't know of this. I haven't heard of this, but I I wouldn't be surprised if in the new year they do a a new investor relations day. Yeah. To talk about the finances going forward, the new well not new CEO, well, new CEO. Returning CEO, I should say. Yes. <laughs> uh, and just sort of set the groundwork for the next year. Disney's been very good at doing that with Wall Street. Yeah. I expect we will see that. Uh, I don't really bet on things, but if I had to, I would say sometime in Q1 of next year. Now, tying into this, Mark, is uh, you mentioned content distribution. You know, Disney, I think it was just about a week ago, uh, announced that they were testing sort of a new way to, to distribute Andor the latest Star Wars series. So the first two episodes episodes of Andor are airing on ABC, FX, Freeform, and Hulu for the Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, I think that's smart, but that's also kind of cool of like, look, what does it cost you to put that content out there somewhere else? Nowhere. You already own it. Uh, Hulu, well, you own the platform. Right? Yeah. It's Disney, yeah. FX, you own it. ABC, you own it. Freeform, I don't know what Freeform is, but I assume <laughs> it's a broadcast network they own. So you're putting out distribution channels you already have to a wider audience. 
and you're not doing the first episode because sometimes you can't tell from one episode, like, is this series really any good? So they put out two. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's smart of them. Yeah. So to your point, when you talked about maybe experimenting with different ways of distribution, I think we're already starting to see that. And then, you know, I mentioned ARPU, Mark, and you and I love talking ARPU. Absolutely. Well, the one thing that we are going to see a problem with with ARPU (laughs) in Q1 for some of these streaming services, depending on the volume, is uh, depending on the volume of how many people sign up in Q4 because of these Black Friday deals. Yeah. There are some pretty good deals out there. There are. This is the time of year when you (laughs) sign up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign up, sign up. Yeah, so what? Hulu is at $1.99 a month for 12 months. So a full year. So basically call it $24. Yeah, $24 for the year. No, <laughs> this is with ads. Yeah. That's, that's the ad supported Yeah, tier. that's true. Still, that, that that's a heck of a value though. Still a good price. Peacock yeah. TV is on sale for a dollar a month for 12 months. I mean, that's, come on, a dollar a month? I, I signed up for Peacock. <laughs> and to think of all the live sports it has on it. Yeah, absolutely. A dollar a month? Yeah, can't go amazing. Wrong. Yeah. So that's Peacock. Again, it's ad-supported tier only. Uh, Paramount Plus was giving a 50% off. I don't know if it's still going into now. It started a few weeks ago, but it was 50% off. And they were giving away an Amazon Fire TV Stick Lite for free when you signed up. So not a bad deal there. And then it was just announced a short time ago, came across the wire, that HBO Max and Disney Plus are offering a $2 a month special, but only for the first three months. Mm. for each individual service separately. Uh, also note, just if you read the fine print on some of these, most of these say for new and returning customers in the U.S. Yeah. So you can't be a current customer. Now, with someone like Hulu, they said you can be a returning customer as long as you haven't had a subscription for at least 30 days. That seems fair. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's good. But if enough people sign up in November and December... <laughs> The ARPU numbers next year in Q1 in particular are going to decline because yeah. of all the discount pricing. And we've seen that previously in the last couple of quarters because even Disney and some others for Disney Plus, their ARPU has gone down on some quarters to quarters. And they specifically called out it was due to be um, because of special pricing, bundled pricing, and special offers in the market through third parties. Yeah. So what are they doing here? Well, they're playing the long game of let's sign up the subs. But if they truly care about profitability, I'm making the guess here that going forward, Mark, in in years to come, we're not going to see some of these pricing specials like we've seen previously. I agree with you. What's the benefit to the company doing it? Yeah. Not necessarily is one. So... Something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, but if you're looking for a streaming service and if you're looking for a streaming device, Roku, 50% off devices, Amazon Fire TV, 50% off this week. Uh, Apple TVs, I put up on Twitter and LinkedIn. This was the non 4K version, but they were down to $59 at Walmart. Really? Um, 50 I didn't see that. Wow. Yeah, Gen 2, which is great because you use for AirPlay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So 59 bucks. I mean, the remote alone was going for more than that. Yeah, yeah. But like so, you say, just for like an, an AirPlay dongle, you know, for a bedroom TV or something. I mean, you know, geez. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. And that's that's when yeah. I use AirPlay is off the laptop to the TV. 
So at sixty dollars, you can't yeah. go wrong with that. Yeah. So some, good some great, great deals in the market. At the same time, man, Amazon with all these cyber deals and Thursday's deals, I don't think I've ever seen so much between all these companies of crap we don't all need. Yeah, exactly. What are people buying during the week? Because I just, you see all these numbers about how many things people bought as far as total number of um, uh, just sales at Amazon or Walmart. And when I look at all these specials, it's how many more of these things do people actually need? And do they even need one to begin with? Yeah. So I think in previous years, Mark, people bought, the economy's better when they had more cash. I think it's going to be very interesting this year to watch just what the sales look like, especially in Amazon year to year. Because mm, that's a they've good already hinted that consumers are being more selective this year. Yeah. So Walmart, Amazon, it, it'll be very, Target. It'll be very interesting to see what their sales look like come Q4. So those are numbers we can we can go into in, in January because they'll be out not only from from Nielsen and others, but directly from the uh, from the e-commerce realtors. That's right. Yeah. So a couple other things around OTT services here. This uh, interesting comment from Warner Brother Discovery CEO. Man, you know, for all the CEOs that don't say anything, he says a lot. That's which true. Is awesome. He's <laughs> he's super open. He gives his thoughts on a lot. It's really helpful. So he was at a Wall Street conference last week in New York City, and he said, if the ad market doesn't improve in 2023, quote, it's going to be hard to hit the company's $12 billion earnings forecast for 2023. He also said things got, quote, a lot worse during the past few months. And then we got some additional numbers from him. He said HBO went from making more than $2 billion in 2019 to losing about $3 billion last year as their content spending just, you know, surged, creating more content. So I haven't checked the numbers, but is what he's saying that they spent $5 billion more last year in content creation? Is that what he's really saying? Or I don't know that he's saying they spent $5 billion more. Uh, HBO Max simply made $2 but- billion. In 2019. Now, keep in mind, 2019. Okay, that's three years ago. Yeah. Well, it said HBO. I'm sorry. Correct. You're correct. From, so, so HBO from making $2 billion to losing, and then you think HBO Max was not launched in 2019. Correct. Right. So they were... Not, not sure. We would have to look up what those numbers are. The way he said this... He wasn't implying that five billion number you, you're coming. Yeah, with. yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's why. I'm, but you know what I would like to unpack, and uh, you know I'll probably go do some research. One of our listeners certainly will, uh, or somebody will. Um, you know, back in 2019, this was still largely their MVPD business, although they did have HBO. Uh, <laughs> what, what was the streaming sir? HBO. Uh, what was their standalone go? Go. Yeah. 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 Yeah, They had go. So they did have, but you know, they had a fraction of the subscribers of HBO max. I mean, a very, very small number. Yes. Very small. So this is MVP. I'm just making an observation that 2019 HBO was still largely in the MVPD licensing to cable operators, licensing to pay TV networks. Right. That was yes. largely their business model. Now they are 
an OTT platform, you know, so I don't know what the correlation is, but. Um, yeah. So just to give you an idea, Warner Media is planning to invest more than $18 billion in content in 2022. Okay. So that's the number okay. they gave out. And I quickly looked up number. Now that's Warner Media, so that includes yeah, everything. Yeah, exactly. But you ready for this? In 2017. Okay. So well before HBO Max is doing streaming. Yeah. Uh, HBO is spending $2 billion in content. <laughs> there you go. 2017 which wasn't really and, that long ago yeah and and you think 2017 to 2019 okay maybe 2019 they spent three billion if they if they really you know in other words i highly doubt they tripled their spend probably it, not and the 18 mean, billion this year keep in mind that you're talking about hbo max being in so many different territories yeah country it, exactly exactly yeah. So that means you're creating creating more content. HBO Max, the number they gave out is they want to be in 190 territories by fiscal 2026. Yeah. So, but yeah, content spending it's it's incredible in terms of just what they're spending. So that was that was an interesting little stat he was he was talking about, and also just frankly highlighting the fact that their balance sheet doesn't look great. Yeah. <laughs> which we all know. Uh, but him saying that, hey, if things get a lot worse, we're going to have some some issues with our earnings forecast. That's that's not a good sign. Yeah. Well, like you say, hats off to uh, David Zaslav, who's, you know, being really forthcoming, I guess, is the way it, it, it sounds like he is. He gives out a lot. It's interesting just how many. I would say those covering on Wall Street don't like um, what he's talking about. Um, I don't really care about that. Right. Because that's more opinion based. Yeah. Um, but just in terms of, of how he's going to manage the debt with that company, mm-hmm. you know, that's not a short term problem that can that you can fix. You know, that's yeah. gonna take time. But interesting to get those numbers from him. And then uh tying into this Warner Brothers or I should say Warner Bros. Discovery Sports, that's the official name of it. Yeah. Uh they laid off um some some people, seventy people. About 10% of the workforce that was across Turner Sports, Bleacher Report, um, a studio that they have in Atlanta. So uh, not surprising. We're going to we're gonna see more layoffs. Yeah. That's that's not surprising. Tying into that, Roku announced last week that they were going to reduce its workforce by 5%, which is about 200 jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to take a 28 to $31 million uh, severance charge on the layoffs, which they say will mostly take place this quarter, but will be largely completed by the end of Q1 of 2023. So some took that as a bad sign for Roku. I look at that as good companies swap out 5% of their workforce every year. Yeah. What we don't know here is, and someone's going to correct me on this, of course, and they're right if I just said layoffs, because layoffs doesn't mean you're replacing the people. Mm-hmm. So if the company's staying 5% smaller for the rest of next year, then you're not replacing the people. Yeah. They're truly just scaling down. So all companies trying to do more with less. No real surprise on that one. Sure. Uh, Some other interesting news for us to cover, Mark, is Apple. So we knew about the Apple and Major League Soccer deal for quite some time now. I forget when they initially announced it. But they have now given out some more details on the service. It will launch on February 1st of next year. It will be called MLS Season Pass. Mm. It'll be $15 a month or $100 for the season. Now, if you're an Apple TV Plus subscriber already, you can get a discounted price of $13 a month or $80 for the season. 
So okay. certainly affordable if you like soccer. Yeah. Also, they're going to make a selection of MLS League Cup matches, including some of the biggest playoff matches, they say. They're going to make that available at no cost to Apple TV Plus subscribers. Hmm. And then they're also going to offer a number of, of matches, limited matches, we don't know how many, are going to be free completely on the Apple TV app. Wow. So interesting deal because unlike other sports licensing deals we've seen in the market, Apple can offer this globally. Mm-hmm. No blackout restrictions. Mm-hmm. It's a ten-year deal. They can they can really uh, set this up the way that they want. Yeah. Uh, now, a couple things that that Apple confirmed for me on a call with them: uh, the games will not be in 4K. I don't think that matters at all. Clearly, they don't think so either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will not be 4K. It'll be 1080p 60. Um, you will be able to pause and rewind the live stream. I did specifically ask about that. Frankly, I was surprised they answered that question. <laughs> uh, I did ask additional questions on on player functionality and do they plan on doing anything with stats and overlays. And uh, they they said there's there is some additional player functionality that they will announce in December, hmm. along with some tech specs. I think for listeners, if you've seen what Apple is doing with Major League Baseball on Friday nights, that's mm-hmm. what you should expect MLS to look like. Mm. A well-produced, high-quality stream, not 4K, with some additional data sources in terms of what's going on 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 the field. Uh, Now, a couple weeks ago, I think it was Bloomberg, broke the news that Apple's building an advertising network. And they said for live television as part of its deal to stream Major League Soccer games. Mm Mm-hmm. So we've known it's been out there. So uh, what Apple talked about on this, uh, some information they gave out, some they wouldn't, is they do plan to sell sponsorships. They're not calling them ads. Sponsorships to games. And they are going to use, they confirmed for me, they are going to use a third-party vendor for viewership data. Okay. They will distribute to those sponsors, but they won't disclose what third-party company they're working with. (laughs) Yeah. That will come out by the time the games start. So we'll see if that's Nielsen or not, but I don't know. Uh, Also, the way a soccer game is set up, naturally, there's not a lot of ad breaks. Mm -hmm. So they did talk about, without going into too many details, they said, just think about how we are naturally going to have sponsorships within a game. Mm -hmm. Well, you're going to have them at halves. Yeah. During the half of the side. So this idea that like you're going to watch a soccer game and you're going to be injected with a lot of ads, well, the live play doesn't allow for that. Yeah, that's right. So I don't see them being ad heavy. They kept calling it sponsorships, which to me makes sense because if you're not mm-hmm. inserting ads and it's more of a sponsorship at cut breaks when it's, yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, sure. Now here's the interesting part though, Mark, when, when the news broke that Apple was, was thinking about as Bloomberg put it, building an ad network for this, I was fascinated by just the number of, comments I saw on Twitter that were negative. And and here were the comments. I specifically bought into Apple's ecosystem because it was the company that was not propelled forward by ads. They were all about privacy and quality. And as if, as if ads, as if ads somehow, I, I don't know, yeah, privacy I, I and get, quality. I, didn't, I don't quite get that correlation, but yeah, but this is what somebody wrote. It. This is their there's perception. There's so many of them. Yeah. One, one yeah. reason I have Apple stuff is not to have ads shoved in my face. <laughs> well, so if I use MLS, an Android, so if I use an Android phone, I get ads shoved in my face. 
Uh, no, uh, I mean, no, there's, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe that's why I don't use Android. <laughs> another one was you'd think the entry price of their premium hardware and OS would negate the need to subject its consumers to ads. So I'm confused as to what exactly has been promoted in the market or what yeah. they're covering yeah, because yeah. I haven't seen anything where they're talking about inserting ads and anything else except maps i did see a story where it was rumored that apple might insert ads into maps now that has not been confirmed yeah and nobody leaving these comments on twitter was talking about maps they were actually linking to the bloomberg article about soccer hmm. so i don't know if there's a disconnect here in terms of what they were linking to being announced but quite an interesting couple threads hundreds of comments of people saying this changes my perception of Apple when they're putting ads in soccer, which mm. I don't know of any sport you can watch. Well, certainly in the U.S. or Europe, because I'm familiar with those two, where there's not ads. Yeah. TV, linear. I mean, where are you watching sports? I, with no yeah, ads? where are you watching? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a new one to me. So, uh, but interesting, just the comments it was getting online was kind of kind of strange. Yeah. So, let's watch that, though. It will be interesting to see. Uh Apple will have more information out. Uh, also, all the teams, kind of cool as uh, a tie-in. You know, all the teams are wearing an Apple logo on the sleeve mm -hmm. of their shirt. Sure. Yeah. Soccer teams, I like that. Uh, a couple of little pieces of news here. Uh, Dish, this is kind of interesting. So Dish is now promising a three-year pay TV pricing protection for new customers. So as long as you're taking a package that starts at $80 a month, you can lock in the price Hmm. Uh, not only the service, but I, I've read the fine details here on the equipment as well for three years. No price hike. Hmm. You have to guarantee a two-year contract. Sure. But you get a three-year price protection. I haven't seen those in the market in a long time. I know. it's It's been a long time since I've seen, seen that. Verizon used to have those many, yeah. many, many years ago. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, that's, that's new from Dish. Yeah. What I'm interested in is if we're going to see anyone follow suit. My guess is probably not. I don't think many people care what Dish is doing from a pay TV standpoint. Frankly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Dish, but that's just real. <laughs> that's just reality. Uh, but but interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, two more pieces here. Uh, Netflix gives you a new option now to disconnect streaming devices within your uh, account. It's called managing access and devices, and it's it's pretty cool. It allows you to view all the recent devices that have streamed from your account, and you can log out of specific devices just by clicking on a device. So naturally, I think what some people are going to do is be like, okay, I'm going to kick off a family member or someone who's using it. <laughs> what I found interesting, Mark, was I had over 50 hardware devices that were logged into my Netflix account. And the majority of them, I'm not the average user, obviously, was uh, accounts that I had put on devices I was testing. Yeah, that's right. Maybe it was the NAB show. Uh, also, there's times what you log in when you're at a friend's house. You log in when you're sure. in a hotel. Sure. There's so many different places. Yeah. Uh, so this gives you uh, the location, meaning country, tells you the device, tells you the date it was last logged in. It t tells you what, uh, I think what profile they, yeah, what profile they used in the account. Interesting. And it was really cool. You can just <laughs> literally one button click on every single one of them and it just, it pulls it out. Yeah. So would we have ever seen Netflix do that a couple of years ago? No. 
Yeah. But as they're starting to think about how you're going to manage multiple logins or multiple devices yeah. and how they're going to crack down on some of that, you have to have a way for customers to manage that. So one, they created a way for you to easily pull over your account from someone's account you're sharing, all your profile information. Hmm. And now they're also allowing you to wait to disconnect others. So I look at this market as kind of a, a, a f- maybe a funny different way of like Netflix is almost encouraging you to do password sharing protection on your own. On your own. Yeah. Because I guarantee there's some people who went into that just like on Spotify. Family <laughs> yeah, family. exactly. You know what? I kind of don't like them anymore. Maybe I'll stick <laughs> I'm going to kick them off. <laughs> without Netflix having to do it. <laughs> That's right. So, man, Netflix is smart. I give those guys credit in everything they do because they do it to a different degree. And also they have so many people working there who are specialists in in consumer behavior. Yeah. It's fascinating what they did years ago, hiring all those types of people around consumer Mm -hmm. behavior. So interesting to see it. And it does work really well. Well, I've not used that. So I think I'll check it out, see if my daughter and all of her friends are connecting to my accounts. It's possible. (laughs) Anyone you kick off, Mark, it's a new sub for Netflix. Oh, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're helping them out. (laughs) And then the final piece of news we'll cover just real quick here is uh, Amagi's announced it's acquired Streamwise. Uh, for those that don't know Streamwise, they're they're not very well known. They're a early stage data aggregation reporting platform. Uh, no details in the deal were announced as of yet, but uh, they certainly were not acquired for their revenue. This is definitely a technology buy. And Mark, you'll remember probably last podcast week before we talked about Amagi raising a hundred mm-hmm. million dollars, which they plan to put towards acquisitions, mostly on the on the technology side. So here's the first one that uh, that we've seen come out publicly. Yeah. Not surprising. We'll we'll see a couple more like this. Uh, there still are some other companies in the space um, who are, are still floating deals out there. But but Mark, an update on that, I, I will say that, especially towards the end of the year, I have seen a handful of companies, let's call it uh, under 10, who have pulled back their offers in the market mm-hmm. where they wanted to be taken out, but just you know, they're not getting the offers they want. The PE firms are looking at it as... Let's pay pennies on the dollar. Sure, sure. Uh, so there's there's quite a few that are off the market right now. So so were these if they pulled themselves off, they they must be able to stand alone. They weren't running out of cash, or or what's the yeah? It, it depends they, on how you define running out of cash. They were all companies who aren't necessarily growing their revenue zero percent year over year, one percent year over year growth. Yeah, as long as their burn's not too high, sure. They can still survive, or they had recently raised a large round. Yeah, uh, or in addition to raising the round, or in place of it, they did a large round, a very large round of layoffs. Layoffs, yeah, just cutting. Yeah, but we Makes we did sense. see. I have seen just in the last thirty days quite a few companies pull pull their sure their term sheets out of the market. But we'll see them come back. Yeah, at some yeah, point absolutely. next year. Many of these services have to be part of a larger platform, which which they're not now. Yeah. And standalone will not grow to the to the rate that investors expect. So we'll we'll see more of those for sure. What, can you characterize just in a real general sense? Uh, you know, are these companies that are more in the um, content distribution? Are they in the specialized, you know, video processing, whether that's encoding or you know, data, or where are they in the ecosystem? Yeah, are they across question. the? Yeah, it's definitely not content distribution. There's almost nobody left. Right? There's not a lot of CDNs left. 
Uh, for sure. So it's, yeah. it's not CDNs. It is a combination of things tied to data analytics, churn, retention, mm. viewer insight, which I don't like that term, but yeah. it's things tied to data. Who's doing what on the platform and how? Oh, okay. Some around personalization. Yeah. Again, that's that's really sort of tied to viewer insights as well. That's the majority of what I'm seeing in the market. I'm not seeing any on the on the transcoding side, mm-hmm. uh, think of what we just saw with uh, uh, IMAX taking out. Yeah, that's right. Simway, yeah. Right? What was that? I mean, that was really viewer insights and that was yeah. quality. Yeah. But that's a lot of what we're seeing in the market. There's a lot of those companies out there that a few years ago raised a good size Series A, Series B. Sure. The market's nowhere near as big as they thought. They didn't yeah. realize how hard it was to actually integrate this on a customer to customer basis because yeah. a lot of these companies think they're a SaaS model. They're not. They're a professional services company. Yep. Yep. Every company you go to wants that, something different. That how that is that? that is such critical insight. And and I I spend so much time talking to founders, <laughs> you know, and explaining to them this. And everybody, yeah, but but we're different. And, and no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough business so. and, and many of those technology pieces need to be part of a larger platform, yeah. which there's not that many large platforms out there. Yeah. Right. CDNs aren't reselling things tied to video or tying in other pieces of the video ecosystem. Sure. They're, they're doing sure. bits for the most part. Um, you look at, you know, Adobe and others, many people thought Adobe would, would come in and buy an OVP or start an OVP service for all the, all the creative cloud people creating all this content. Yeah. No, it's not a business they want to be in. The market's too small. The margins are too low. So there are larger stacks and platforms out there where I think some assume that they'd become part of a larger go-to-market strategy, but Mm -hmm. it just hasn't worked out that way so far. Yeah, We've seen that in the enterprise side, enterprise video, uh, as well as as non-enterprise, you know, B2C. Yeah, that's right. But that's that's the majority of what I'm seeing in the market. And, Got and it. Makes most sense. of them are I mean, the vast majority of them are many of them are even under twenty million dollars a year in revenue. Oh, sure. Almost all are under fifty million. There's very few that are larger than that. Yeah. Seriously contemplating something in the market. In some cases, frankly, I don't think they fit under any umbrella. Mm-hmm. Of a larger stack. But we will see more of them, uh, more term sheets come to the market next year for yeah. sure. So, Mark, that's it. That's a wrap for this week. Uh, we covered quite a bit here, which is good. Uh, all the numbers that I talked about with Mark here are up on my Twitter and LinkedIn. They're all up as of now. You can see all that. Um, thanks to Agora, as always, for sponsoring the podcast every week. Agora, A-G-O-R-A dot I-O. Uh, Mark, we'll be back. We're going to drop this Thanksgiving week, but we'll be back next week or the week after with another one, maybe just a little bit of a break. Yes. We do thank everyone for listening. I do hope everyone gets just some some time off, some relaxation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I personally love the stream media industry um, and have for the last 26 years. But, man, it is business is not the most important thing in this world at right. all. So hopefully, you know, people get some, some time off and get the rest. Uh, for many, when your family's in town or you're going to see them, that's not necessarily relaxation. <laughs> uh, so you might need a vacation after that, but we get it. <laughs> yes. uh, but, you know, if you're listening to this during the week, Thanksgiving, try and get some rest. Um, focus on what's, what's important. And uh, Mark and I look forward to talking to you the week after. So with that, Mark, we're out of time. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Mark, thank you for your time. We'll be back next week with more. Thank you.
If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. Think Dan and Mark are wrong? And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com. 